Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
every one of us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord God. Touch our minds. Open up our eyes, Father God. Please, Lord. So we stand in all of you, Lord God. We want your glory. We want your mercy, Father God. Well, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to go to the book of Ruth. And I'm going to continue in this series on God's providence and salvation. You know, when we look at time and we view things uh, from usually our perspective, we, we see, you know, like our young ones here. We have a little child. And when, when people are young, and, and, and growing up, often they're the center of attention in a family. Amen? And, and a lot of and, and then people become, get a little older, they have more responsibilities, then people begin to age. Uh, physically, sometimes we begin to deteriorate. And we go through times when we're strong, vital, and other times when when we, we face weaknesses, we go through times when there are great trial in our lives. We face sorrow and or suffering and difficulties. But all of those periods of time for us are transient. All of those things are fleeting in some way or another. There is a constant, and that's what I really want to focus on over these several weeks, and that's God is in our lives no matter where we find ourselves at. Matter of fact, He's there orchestrating the events of our life. What are you dealing with today? What are you going through in your life? I want to encourage you, God is there with you. He is there. He's not surprised by the things that we face or deal with. He's not caught by surprise. You haven't sidetracked yourself to get out of His will. He's moving in you His perfect will and pleasure. And I want us to see that from the Scripture and see some astounding things here today. We're going to talk about Ruth and how God rekindles hope. You ever lost hope? You ever felt hopeless? Been in a hopeless situation? Maybe you're facing something like that now? I don't know. God knows. But He wants to rekindle hope in our lives. You know, Tristan Bernard was a French Jewish novelist and a playwright who was really in his heyday the earliest early part of the 20th century. When World War II broke out, France was occupied. Bernard fell under the disapproving attention of Nazi Germany. When the Gestapo arrested him, Bernard offered an unusual word of encouragement to his wife. He said this, quote, The time of fear is over. Now comes the time of hope, unquote. Tristan Bernard would survive his ordeal. We're going to look today at the book of Ruth. And we can consider, really, the backdrop of Ruth, the near hopeless condition of two impoverished widows. And when all seems lost for these two widows, they place their hope in God and He rewards their faith. Before we begin, let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here with my brothers and sisters today, to stand before them as your servant, Lord. Father, I in and of myself am certainly most inadequate to carry your word to your people. I ask humbly, Lord, for the anointing of your precious Holy Spirit. Speak through me today to your people. Encourage them. Lift them up, O oh God. Inspire hope in each and every one of us. Put your word into our hearts, into our minds. Lord, let it take root in our lives. Water the words that have already been planted. Lord, bring about the fruit you want in us. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise for doing all of that. In Jesus' name. Everyone say it. Amen. Amen. In Ruth chapter 1, uh, let me give you a little backdrop here. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 1, we see when the days the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a, a man of Bethlehem, take note of that, in Judah, he went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife, his two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, the names of their two sons, Balan and Chilion. They were Ephratites. In other words, they were sons of Joseph from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. She was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years. So we have a ten year period of extreme difficulty, at least ten, maybe more. And both Malon and Chilion died so that the woman, that is Naomi, was left without her sons and her husband. Talk about a bad time. Have you experienced loss in your life? Have you experienced hardship and heartache? Here was a women back then, biblical times, even today. Uh, it's hard for a woman to get the same treatment that men get, you know. And back then in particular, women were more keepers at home than they were breadwinners. You understand that. I mean, to not have a husband or a covering like that was, was a very would be very difficult for them to survive. And yet she lost not only her husband, but both of her sons to death. How sad. But you know one thing about this Naomi, she didn't lose her faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She still maintained her faith. You know, I, I'm amazed. I look at people and meet people, talk to people who have faced or have dealt with horrendous things that have gone on in their lives. I, I've talked to people, believers personally, who have experienced trauma that is beyond my own understanding. You know, there are many you can sympathize with but to truly empathize, you have to have gone through what they have. You know, I don't know what it's like to have a broken arm. But if you've broken your arm, you can empathize with someone else who has broken their arm. You know, I, I've met people that have gone through tragedy and pain that, that I cannot even empathize with because it, it's so horrible. And, and, and this, this is a situation here biblically that is like, wow. Do bad things really happen to good people? Oh, 
this text yet. Sometimes life is difficult. It, it can be tough. You know, we, we all start off optimists, amen. And I do believe God wants us to end as optimists as well. But in between the starting and the ending, there's quite a few twists and turns. And there's even tragedies and difficulties along that way. If it were all up to us, we would be smooth sailing all the time. I don't know about you, I know I would be. I would order no uh, tribulation or difficulties on my plate whatsoever. But that's not reality. Does, life doesn't work that way. And we're going to pick up in verse 16 of Ruth chapter 1. And I want to look at three things. Just like I did last week, we'll see the plan, number one, the provision, number two, and the purpose, number three. God has a plan for you. He has provision for you. And there is a purpose in your life. And we'll see that here in the story of Ruth. And these scriptures are written, the Bible says, for our benefit, for our learning, for our admonition. Because, you know, God is the same yesterday, today. He doesn't favor one over another. This is how our God operates. Like He does in their lives, He'll do the same in our lives. And is doing the same. We, we may not recognize that. You know, I mean, have you ever heard of the benefit of hindsight? I thank God I can look back. There's, I have a track record with God. Now, my record of, of believing God and, and being obedient to Him, it's not too good at times. Man, I'm just being honest with you. Somebody's, oh, preacher, come on now, man. I've always seemed to be one that's always had to learn the hard way. If I had just done what God said in this situation or that, man, I wouldn't have. But I always create heartache, heartbreak, and trouble. And eventually I do learn. Usually getting my head beat in, you know, stupidity. But we learn. And, and here we see a situation for Ruth for Naomi. Uh, and, and I named my first child Naomi from this scripture here, from this story. And what is her middle name? And that's no accident. That was deliberate. These two women are powerful women of God that spoke to my life in a very strong way many, many years ago. And they're still speaking today. Naomi was the Jewish Hebrew woman, the woman of God, who, in spite of her difficulty, she lived for God. In spite of her loss, in spite of the exile from her own homeland and her inheritance, she stayed true to God. Naomi was a great woman of God. Ruth what an inspiration a Moabitess 
a Gentile, a woman who had no inheritance, no right to have any part of the things of God, yet because of her strong faith and her trust in the God of Naomi, she would be considered one of the blessed women and actually would find her way into the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Someone who didn't belong fit because God's providence was there all along. You know, sometimes we don't feel like we fit. But oh, you do. Believe me, you really do. God has a plan. And He had a plan for these ladies here. What happened in Israel? Famine had hit. You know, famine can do, can do some things. Now here we're, last week we talked about Moses bringing the people out of Egypt. Now how did they get in Egypt? Well, famine. How do you get in places in your life where you are sometimes? Circumstances come about. It may be spiritual famine. It may be something that moves you. It moves you to go where you would not normally go. The Israelites, we know at this time, remember we talked last week, they didn't sin in Egypt. They just found themselves under a pharaoh who began to persecute them. And God delivered them. Here, the Israelites were living in the land that Joshua and the Israelites had conquered. And they began to disobey God and got themselves in a bad way. I mean, just read the book of Judges. They were like this. Mostly like this. <laughs> but occasionally, you know, they would have a revival, but they kept sinking back into disobedience. And they found themselves on God's strong disciplinary backhand. They had nothing to eat. So now they end up in Moab. Where's Moab? Moab, in, as it relates to Israel and as it relates to Bethlehem, is in what we would call the land of Jordan today. Modern Jordan. Who are the Moabites? They are the children of Lot. Remember Abraham's nephew Lot. And of course when the Joshua was told to go into the land, they were not to get into it with the Moabites because of Lot. God spared them. But they were actually the children of incest. They were Gentiles. And here the Israelites, the children of promise, Abraham's seed, found themselves now living in a Gentile land. And one bad thing happened after another. You ever been walking with God and it seemed like one bad thing after another? Can nobody relate? Can anybody relate? Or is your, your life just so good you can get up here and, and teach us? Come on now. I, I seem to go through one dilemma after another. And just when I think I'm out of the woods, man, I find myself back in the woods. And Lord, what now? Here they were. Look what verse 16 says. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. She's talking to Naomi. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Famine is over. 
Naomi heard that there was bread in Bethlehem. How many know what the word Bethlehem means in English? That's a Hebrew word. House of bread. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem, the house of bread. What did Jesus say? I am the bread from heaven. Come down. Take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. So very significant language here. But grain was now flowing back in Israel. And Naomi says, I'm, I'm not going to die here in this foreign land. I'm going back. And she literally tells, now read the book of Ruth. It's not very many chapters. Read the book. She tells both her daughters-in-law, Orpha and Ruth, I'm going back to my people, to my land. You ladies are young enough. I can't have any inheritance. I'm an old woman now. You ladies find you another husband. And God bless you. Orpha goes back. But Ruth says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to go with you. I believe in you. And I believe in the God you believe in. Where you go, I'll go. I'm going to go back with you and I'll die in the land with you. I'll be buried there, she says. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. That's what Ruth says. I'm not leaving you, Mom. You know, that's how we need to be with God. Lord, I'm not going to let go. I'm going to stay with you. No matter where you go, no matter where you take me, Lord, I'm going to follow. And this woman, this Gentile woman, would not leave the side of Naomi. Verse 19, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Remember, ten years had gone by, and here she is. Can this be Naomi? They were exiled. They faced great loss. And here they are looking homeward. Sometimes we need to go back to where our roots are. Oh, that's good preaching now. Come on now. When we get outside of where God wants us to be, we need to begin to be like Naomi and look back. I need to go back home. I need to get back to where I belong. I mean, yeah, there was some famine because we had sinned, but we've paid, we've repented over that. It's time to get back home. It's time to go back to where, where the blessing is. It's time to get back to the house of bread because I'm hungry. Oh, hallelujah! You know, you got Christians who say, "Oh, you know, it's Sunday. I got to go to church." Get hungry for God. You want to go? Come on! I don't have to go. I get to go. Yes. I want to go. I want to hear the Word of God. I want to be fed. I want to be filled. Amen. With what God has given. God had a plan to preserve a family. And He did just that. Now think for a moment. I, I love the way God... I love the way He operates, but I'm always frightened the way it comes about in my own life. If you think about it, here, here's this young woman 
leaving her own language, her own people, going into a foreign land, as a poor person. An old woman had lost her entire inheritance and really had no natural hope of getting any of that back. She had lost everything, literally. But she still had her faith in God. You know, you can suffer the loss of things here in this life, okay? And they're just they're just that things. You don't have to suffer the loss of your faith. You can keep believing and should keep believing in Him. Secondly, we're going to see God's provision for them. He preserved them in a foreign land. You know, you and I living in a foreign land as believers, this is not our home. We're only passing through. You know, don't hold on to things here tightly. We're getting ready to go back. Amen. I'll say amen. Now he's, he's getting down now. We he's, he's getting ready to call us home. We're going back to a land that's going to be flowing with milk and honey. Oh, hallelujah. I've been living in Moab too long. I don't know about you. I'm ready for my promised land. I'm ready to get back to the house of bread. Glory to God. Look at verse chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 6. And here, what are they doing, these women of God? Naomi's old. She can't work. Ruth is young, vibrant, beautiful, in the peak of her prime, this Ruth. And what does she do? goes out to the field. Work is a good thing. Work is a good thing. Amen. Brother Dave was talking in his testimony about, and I know where you're coming from. You see, when when a man is feels like he's no longer working, like he wants yourself your self-esteem often is tied to too bad. But there's a time for every season, brother. And, you know, here was a time this woman would go out and she'd work in the field. You know, Naomi needed Ruth. Even though she released her, she really needed Ruth. And, and you know, Ruth needed Naomi. Amen. Look at verse 7. This is Ruth. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So here this young woman went out in the heat of the day. Now what was she doing? This is very biblical. She was gleaning. And if you read the Mosaic Law, you know, we go back to... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We read that man. That's some hard reading. I mean, oh yeah, there's some weird stuff in there, you know. Well, one of the laws in there was the law of gleaning that the poor. You see, God made provision for everybody. And remember, Jesus in His ministry he said, "You'll always have the poor." Because there's always a reason why someone's in that situation. It, it may be their fault. It may not be their fault. That's not the issue you and I are to deal with. But He does make provision for those who are destitute. Right? He says, 
allow them to glean when you're harvesting. Now they were harvesting. This was a barley harvest. So it gives us the time of year. And they were harvesting the barley. Now, what does a gleaning mean? They, they would take the, the grain in and they would some would drop it. You know, apple country. When you, when you pick an apple from a tree, do you miss some? Do, do some fall on the ground? Maybe get bruised or something? Oh, don't, don't take that. We, we, I mean, they still are good. You can still eat them. If somebody's hungry, God will say, let them have it. Let them have that. Let them have what you drop. And just go ahead and, and, and work the feet. So she was going behind, getting enough food for her and Naomi to stay alive. And man, she was working hard just to do that. You ever feel that way in your life? Man, I'm just working so hard enough just to stay, just to keep my head above water. Come on. Working. She wasn't sitting home crying. Oh, we don't got nothing. We can't. She's doing everything she can do. Amen. You know, that's when God can bless you. And that's when He will bless you. When we do everything we can do, then He'll step in. If we sit back and do nothing, come on now. That's it, brother. We're not going anywhere. She was up. She was ready. She only stopped just to take a brief break in the middle of the day, then went back to work. Now look what he says here. Look at this. Verse 8. So Boaz. Now who's Boaz? He's the relative of Naomi. He's an older man. He owns the field. And the people gleaning or harvesting the field work for him. It's his feet. And he's a man who, who sits in the city gate and actually has some substance. He has some wealth. Okay? Boaz says to Ruth, my daughter. Now he said that. I mean, those preachers, we go through all the concordances and all the little commentaries and books to, to get every little, squeeze out every meaning of every word. And really what he's saying here, and this is significant, is not my daughter because I'm old and you're young. That's not what he's saying. He's not talking to her as she's his daughter or a young person. He's actually speaking to her in a relational sense that she's a part of his family. My daughter. It's like my sister. He was respectful. She was younger. He didn't say sister. He said daughter. But you're a part of the family. Now that's what he was really saying to her. And he says, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow after the girls. Look what he says here. I've told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, you go get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. What was he doing? He was providing and protecting her. She was invited as that part of that community, this, this Moabite woman. He was calling her a part of the family. My daughter. 
You stay here. Don't go to another. You stay here. He was showing favor to her. You know, God knows how to give us favor. And He knows how to provide for us. Jesus said, He said, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Boaz, all Bible commentators agree, is a type of Christ. Ruth, the Moabite woman, is a type of the church, the Gentile believer. Naomi is a type of Israel. Ruth is about to be grafted in because of her faith in the God of Abraham. You and I, the Bible tells us in Romans, have been grafted in as wild olive branches into Israel's inheritance. You remember when God told Abraham, He said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. But He also said this, Out of you shall come nations. You and I, Peter tells us in the New Testament, are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Oh, hallelujah. We're like Ruth because of our faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've come to faith in Christ, the Jewish Messiah. Ruth would ultimately lay down at the feet of Boaz and he would put his covering over her, signifying she willingly laid down at his feet. And you and I are considered and called the what? Bride of Christ. He provides for us just as Boaz, amen, was providing for, for Ruth here. And she willingly followed. She willingly obeyed him. Verse 11, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father, your mother, your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before me. Jesus tells us that if we're to follow Him, we must what? Leave mother and father and leave everything. Amen? He who will not is not worthy of She left all behind to follow the God of Abraham. And look at verse 11. Boaz said, I, I've been, been told all these things. In verse 12, May the Lord, this would be prophetic, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She would be blessed. God would provide a community and she would become a servant of God, the Most High. The book of Ruth is read every year by the Jewish people on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was, was it June 15th this year? So we had just come through that Pentecost. I'm talking about on the Hebrew calendar, not the Gentile. Ruth is read. Why Pentecost? Because Pentecost is the time, it's 50 days after first fruits. It's the time of the barley harvest. And that's what was going on here. 
and what's so neat about Pentecost and why is the church even involved in that because you go to Acts chapter 2 on the day when the day of Pentecost had fully come God sent the Holy Spirit upon His church His bride what did the priests do at Pentecost they take two loaves of bread now remember 52 days or so earlier, the Israelites were commanded to bake bread unleavened. Right? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. We have Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and then Pentecost. Those are the spring feasts. At Pentecost, the priests were told to make two loaves of bread from the barley and put yeast in them and present them to the Lord at Pentecost. Paul would later explain the mystery, the mystery of God, is that God would take both Jew and Gentile and present them to the Lord as His body. And here is the perfect story, the book of Ruth, of God doing just that bringing in a Gentile woman to be his bride. Oh, hallelujah. Which brings me to my third and final point, the purpose. God was preparing a royal line for the Messiah, Jesus, to come through. I want you to think about that. Now you flip over to Matthew's Gospel and you flip over to Luke chapter 2 and you'll have genealogy, one of Joseph, one of Mary. And in that line is a woman named Ruth. You know there's two Gentile women that find their way into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. One was a woman named Rahab the harlot. And the other is a Moabitess named Ruth. Both came in through faith into that lineage. You know, my Bible says God is no respecter of persons. It's faith. The just shall live by faith. What a powerful book of faith in the God of Abraham that is displayed in, in Ruth's story. Verse 13 of chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her and the Lord, look at this, man, this is wonderful. The Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. Can God do the miraculous? Not only can He, He does routinely do the miraculous. Have you ever stopped to think how many great men and women of God came because of God's intervention in the life, their life or the life of their parents or grandparents? I, I, I'm blown away. Isaac was born to a 90-year-old woman. Somebody say, that's crazy. <laughs> that is insane. That's a miracle. Samson was born to a couple who was elderly who had, could have no children. 
was born to a woman who was barren. John the Baptist was born to an old woman named Elizabeth who was barren. I mean, we can go on and on, but you know, God knows your condition, your situation in life, and how to bring something from nothing. Hope from hopelessness. What are you dealing What are you facing? Is anything too hard for God? Absolutely not. He is able. Here these ladies were, were living ten years of, I'm sure, hard misery. I've had some hard things in my life, but I'm going to be honest, I've never had to live miserably. Okay? <laughs> I've never had to live that bad. I'll be honest with you. Does God allow good people to go through? But who wrote that book? Remember that book, the, uh, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? I think it came out like the 60s or the 70s. But, Yes. We go through things, but we go through. Brother Ross, man, has been going through some physical things for quite some time now. And I can sympathize with some. I can't empathize with everything because I haven't gone through the same thing. You know, I mean, uh, you don't have well, uh, let me let me say I, I thought I, I've been praying for you, brother. I mean, really praying for you. And I called to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't I don't want to lose my brother. I thought maybe that could be a real possibility. The difficulty of what you had been facing is very very been very serious. It's not a light thing. But I will say this. God can bring and will bring you through. Through. And you'll look back and you will find it. You will say, you know what? That was a hellish time I went through. I felt horrible. I felt bad. But God. God. We can trust Him. We can believe Him. He doesn't stop us from going through, okay? I know that don't preach well in today's church, but it's true. These ladies really went through. I mean, they lost their spouses. Three men had died in that one immediate family. Three. And they were all alone in a hostile world. And God took care of them. And not only that, He, he began to reveal His purpose. Supernaturally, he intervened. And then notice it says, he enabled her to conceive. Meaning something was not right there. But he enabled her to conceive. And look at verse 14. The women, now here Naomi was a reproach by natural means, but now the women say to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. 
she would come in, into the inheritance by birth by the marriage of her daughter-in-law. May he become famous throughout Israel. A very prophetic statement made by the women of Israel concerning Naomi. May your grandchild, your grandson, may he be famous throughout Israel. What an understatement! Because he would not only be famous throughout Israel, he would be famous throughout the world and ultimately throughout the ages to come. This, you know what you're dealing with right now? You don't know the eternal consequences of what God's doing. You don't need, I don't know. They, I'm going to tell you this is the truth. Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, they did not know what you and I are reading right now. To them, it was just a, the story of their life. It was their life. And for Boaz and, and, and Naomi, it had a happy ending. Amen. But they, they, could, they, didn't live long. they didn't know what would come from all of that. They had no clue. They died not knowing. Let that sink in. The things you're dealing with, going through, experiencing, you, you may go on and be with the Lord and not really know the eternal consequences of what God has done. They didn't. I guarantee you they didn't. But look here, look here. Verse 17, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Her grandson would become the king of Israel. This Gentile woman who followed by faith her mother-in-law back to the land. There's another David coming. And he would come years later. And they would cry out as he walked through those dusty streets of Nazareth some 2,000 years ago. Blind would cry out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thou son of David. Who was that son of David? Jesus. Our kinsman redeemer. The book of Ruth tells the story of God's provision and salvation. Not just, not just for Naomi and Ruth, but for you and for me. This is our story. We own this. This is how God operates in our lives. Imagine how different, church, the story of Ruth might have turned out if she had not determined to stick with Naomi. Or if Boaz had not been the man of godly character that he was. God knows each and every player in your life and each part that they play. He's intricately involved. Just think though, if one or two of the pieces were not in place the way they were, or the people were not as they were. God's love was expressed to people who were in need by other people. 
that principle is still true today. God has boundless love for all of us, but God relies on those of us who have already experienced His favor to become the tangible expression of His love to others. You know, the members of the body of Christ are to always reach out to the world with Christ's love. And within the family of God, believers are to look out for the needs of one another. Just as the communities in Israel were commanded to provide for the poor among them. It's our responsibility. If we see it, we own it. Yes, God rekindles hope in the most despairing people in life. But the expression of that hope comes most clearly through the words and actions of a compassionate follower of Jesus. Let's stand this morning. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.